0: Well, um, just a little special treat let you know, Jeremy is back in town and uh, from college, and he'll be singing for us tonight. He's done so much singing. Where is Jeremy? Is he around here skipping church, something? Uh, well, like I said, Jeremy's not here. <laughs> well, uh, if you're visiting, and some of you are, you'll, you'll learn something very quickly before this service is over, is that... Uh, I was talking to Brother Hopper earlier today. You know, when I was in college, Bible college, they would say that dependability is the greatest ability. And as I directed military ministry for 20 years, I came to the the point where I told my, my workers, I said, you know what, the greatest ability, dependability is wonderful. Flexibility is right up there with it. And so, uh, you know, we just be flexible and just kind of roll with the flow. I always say well, I want enough structure to get something done, but I want to be loose enough so that we can have some fun. And uh, because you're supposed to enjoy life. Yeah. Amen. I'm supposed to enjoy the Christian life. And uh, and as we learn, I hope we enjoy it every step of the way. Uh, this is going to be a really unique message. I've never preached a message like this before in my life, at least not using this type of illustration. Uh, but that's just where the Lord led me, so here's where, here we go. So I want you to go to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, and hopefully find found it pretty quickly. Galatians 6 1 says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one. In the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. But let every man prove his own work. Then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. In verse nine, and let us not be weary in well doing, for in due season we shall reap, if we faint not. Father, I ask you to bless here this morning. Lord Jesus, thank you for the opportunity to come together to meet. Thank you for Sunday, but well, Lord, thank you for a Sunday at Christmas time. Father, I, I, I just. I don't know how to say how much. I appreciate, I thank you, I praise you for your goodness and your love and your grace and your mercy in my life. Lord, what you have done and what you continue to do, just it, it never ceases to amaze me. And Father, I ask you please to be with us this morning, Lord, that we would learn. And, Lord, as I, as I prayed this morning, as I told you, Lord, I don't want to transfer some sort of information. Spirit of God, I ask you to speak to hearts that somebody's life would be helped, somebody's life would be changed. And, Father, I ask in the name of Jesus that you'd wrap your arms around us as a mighty hedge of protection. And, Lord, turn back the evil. Lord, there's there's nothing more than... Uh, that the devil would like than to just destroy uh, families and destroy the, the the joy that should be in this time of year. Lord, I pray, please, that you bless our people and bless those that are traveling and, and be with those that are here visiting with us as well as our own family. Please be with us. We thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. This is... Um, very, as I said, a very unique message, but I arrived at this message as much um, as I do many of my messages. One of the the things that, that I do, and, and I'll be honest with you, before I, I started pastoring, I, uh, it was one of the great things that I feared. I, I thought, you know, for many, many years, I thought, oh my goodness, uh, I, don't, I don't belong as a pastor. I felt like, you know, because of my past and different things, I just felt like I, I should never do that, especially in Memphis. Uh, But, uh, because I grew up here. But the, but I, I also, you know, one of the things that you know, honestly just scared me was, man, you got you to gotta, you gotta, have something to preach three times a week, you know what I mean? Uh, I thought, my goodness, because I'm used to college students, and I'm used to teaching a course, or I'm used to preaching, you know, uh, maybe two or three times a semester uh, to this big group of college students, or I'm used to preaching to uh, basically a salvation message almost every week to a bunch of sailor boys that we'd gather together on the weekends, or or at camps, youth camps, or in youth conferences or things like that. Well, uh, as I was walking the other night, uh, God began to, and praying, and, and those of you who go, you know, here, you know that that's kind of my method is that I go out at night, and, and I walk, and I just ask the Lord, direct my heart. And I'm not asking the Lord to, you know, come with something outside of Scripture. I'm asking the Lord, direct me to something scripturally. That, that you want me to preach on. And, and honestly, usually it's a verse that he'll, he'll put in my heart, and I'll have to go search the passage. And in studying out the passage, I'll actually arrive at where God's taking me. And so as I was walking, though, this was so strange, as I was walking and praying, I began to pray and ask God to direct my heart and my mind to the truth he wanted me to present uh, on the Sunday before Christmas. <clears throat> and believe it or not, it wasn't a scripture that came to my mind the other night I was praising and I was walking and it was just during a time that I was praising the Lord for all of his goodness in our lives praising him for our church praising him for the such a wonderful group of people uh, And then as I was walking out of my mouth came Lord it's just a wonderful life and this is so strange Anybody ever watched the movie, It's a Wonderful Life? You'll be honest about it. Come on, raise your hands. I can't believe there's anybody on this planet that hadn't. You know, about 10, 15 years ago, I believe it was on like every day on some different channel. It was on every day for about 20-something days. It was, uh, you know, it was on there. Well, immediately I started thinking about, I thought, Lord, you know, it is a wonderful life, but... In my mind, I, I thought about this story, and I thought, well, Lord, but, but what about this wonderful life am I supposed to preach? And so as I continued to, to uh, think about it, well, and I, I thought, you know, I've watched this thing so much. I know what's going to happen before it does. Uh, we know the ins and outs of the story behind it. We can even quote some of the lines. I mean, are your families like that? My girls, you know, and for those visiting, we got six daughters, and if, and, and things like It's a Wonderful Life. Every year, we come down here to Tennessee, and every year on New Year's Eve, I think it was, or at your Christmas Eve, uh, over at Papa Nana's, uh, we would be at, at about 1030. We'd start watching It's a Wonderful Life. I've never seen the whole thing. I always fall asleep. But my girls could, you know, they could just quote everything in it, you know. I, I could just quote a couple of things, you know, like, well, it's a very interesting situation. And so, um, you know, I would just, it, those things are, are there, and, and this stuff's in, in my head. And I, we, we watched it so much, and, we, you know, it's such a part of my mind. I started kind of reliving, going back through it. I prayed and said, Lord, yes, it's a wonderful life, but what do you really want me to teach and preach about this wonderful life? that's when he took me to a verse. That's when God just immediately, the verse came to my mind. And I don't know if other preachers do like this, but the moment God puts a verse into my mind, I don't second guess it. I just head down that road. I go after it. And so the verse that, he came, that came into my mind was verse 7 of the text that we read. Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. You know, I came back in from praying, and, and, and I, I, I went and looked up on the Internet. It's a Wonderful Life. And and I, and I began uh, to read. My wife actually began to read some of the history about it. And you know, here's what it says At one point. It says, after years of unsuccessfully trying to shop his story, uh, and it was called The Greatest Gift, Philip Van Doren Stern decided to give the gift of words to his closest friends for the holidays when he printed up 200 copies of the story and sent them out as a 21-page Christmas card. So it started out as a Christmas card. And, uh, and, and you know, of course, that had to be a long time ago because you couldn't afford to mail that to 200 people today. But... So from that, as where it was purchased to to make into a film. So, and and I just say this. Oh, for the days when you could watch something that was essentially clean, yeah. uh, and it would have a positive message. You know, because that, that those days seem to be long gone. You know, that's why we. You know, we. Um, you know while my dad was living with us we you know i had I had the cable and it was for one reason because I'd had the western channel on it dad had to watch westerns and he's you know the same western over and over, and he's got like you know, like five hundred western books he's read the books he watches the old westerns all that stuff. well, we don't have that any any longer but but uh you know so we we look up some things and you can look up and find this this kind of thing on the internet, but I began to realize how the passage of Scripture correlated with the truth of the story. And so I look back to the Scripture again. you just read verse 1. It says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness." You know, and again, I'm just assuming that a lot of you know the story. But, you know, the story starts with George saving his brother. And then he's, it continues to him restoring the drugstore owner, Mr. Gower when he was about to mess up his life. From that point, he continues through the story to restore others who have fallen and help people and, and people who are struggling, even toward the end when he helps Violet Biggs, uh, the local bad girl. So first we see in that story, and, and please, I've never done this before, but, but just hang here with me. Uh, so first we see the unselfish care and treatment of one that is struggling in life. This, that's what you see in the story. There's a fella that just said, I, "I want, I dream, I desire to do so many other things, but I'm gonna do the best thing. I'm gonna do the thing." You know, people talk talk to me, and, and I, I preached one time. A guy asked me to preach on how to know if you're called to preach, and and and, I, and it was a very simple message. But you know, I believe uh, so many people they feel like it's a feeling. It's you know, I say it's a compelling. It may not be something you want to do. Serving God full-time may not be something you really want to do. It's something you're compelled to do. Something I just got to do. That's what happened to me. I didn't want to go to Bible college and move away from Tennessee. I didn't want to do that. I cried all the way there, 550 miles. I didn't want to go there. But the fact is, is that I was compelled to go. I had to. So we must do this. Now, as we help people, though, you see even in the story, do this in meekness and humility, understanding that and realizing that we are all but a decision away from being where they are. Folks, you know, God in the Scripture, he, uh, the Lord puts it this way, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Lord said, you know, don't think you're any better than anybody else. Folks, that's why I believe Calvary has been the church that it is and continues to be a church that it is, where people love each other and we get along in this church because we don't think anybody in here is any better than anybody else. We don't think any part of town is any better than our part of town. We don't think that anybody, because of their finances, because of their status in life, because, forgive me, because of their color, nobody's better than anybody else. Verse 2 is so clear in the story as George takes on the financial responsibility of a town, helping all those who came his way. Verse 2 says, Bear ye one another's burdens. Be willing not just to help them. Notice what it says now. Not just to help them, but if need be, carry their load for them, to bear their burden for them. You, you understand, that's, that's the supreme unselfishness. That's what sacrifice really is, is when you're willing to go the extra mile and, and do whatever they need and watch this, go so far as to actually carry their burden for them. And you say, but that's extreme. Well, that's exactly what Jesus did. This is what Christ did for us. He came not to help us with our burden, but to bear all of our burden. You understand that? He didn't come to help us with our sin. He came to bear all of our sin. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24 and 25 says, Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sin, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. For ye were a sheep, As sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. He came for all of our sins. This is the Christ child we celebrate. The old song, Born to Die Upon Calvary. He came, he was born to die for our sins. That's amazing to me, but God continually, and even in this passage, he, re, he continues to remind us. We're such a fleshly, selfish, prideful people. He, but verse 3, he's going re, to remind us once again. Look at verse 3. He says, for if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. And he said, hey, you're probably out there, you saying, well, that's talking to somebody who's nothing. I don't think I'm nothing. God says, compared to Jesus, we're all nothing. And and, and the fact is, he says, a man is thinking, look, and again, we've got to humble ourselves and realize we are no better than anybody else. Therefore, we ought to be willing to do whatever we can for anybody. The greatest danger is thinking somehow we are better than others by our wealth, by our station in life, by our color, by our race, by our nationality, by our family, by our current situation in life. Somehow we get to thinking we're somehow better than somebody else. That's not, that's not Christ-like. Now, we're not better. Some of us have been provided some things simply that we might be tools in the hand of God to provide for others. You know, you may have some talents or abilities. You may have some possessions. You know what God gave it to you? He didn't give it to you just so you could be blessed. He gave it to you so that you might bear someone else's burden. This is why the baby in the manger came. He came for our salvation, but he also came that each of us would take that salvation to others no one is superior to anyone the gifts the talents the intellect that we have was not given to the to Lord over others but to be there as a servant and to bear the burdens of others now in this passage of Scripture And we're just kind of walking through the passage and using it, but we're going to conclude this in a second. But suddenly there's a change, an apparent, almost apparent contradiction in a sense because it says in verse 5, it says, For every man shall bear his own burden. Now he's just got through telling us to bear one another's burden. Now it says every man shall bear his own burden. Now, it it may seem like a contradiction, but in reality, it's not. We should be maturing in our lives and our Christian lives in such a way that we understand that we cannot and should not expect others to bear our burdens. See, here's the thing. Lord tells us to bear one another's burdens, but we can't walk around with an attitude of, you're supposed to bear my burden. God says, no, no, you go around, you bear your own burden. Okay, you bear your own burden. But watch this. Uh, He also says, bear one another's burdens. And our attitude ought to not be what somebody can do for me. Our attitude ought to be what can we do for someone else. You know, we learned this, Joe Beth and I learned this a long time ago. If we expect nothing, we'll never be disappointed. You know, the, the truth is that's why uh, you know in our in our church the, the men know this very seldom. It's probably about four times in the three years that I've been here, almost three years I've been here, that I found out the count. Because you know, you know what, my my joy is not going to be based on whether you show up or not. Amen. You know, some of it be if you don't, but the uh, <laughs> not my joy. I can't live that way. I really can't. You know, because that's, that's living by expectation. And if I expect you to do a certain thing or act a certain way, I'm going to be disappointed. Do you understand this will help you in marriage too? Really. Expect nothing. That's what you're going to get. No. <laughs> no. If you don't expect anything, you're not disappointed when you don't get it. It's so when we build up these Expectations. My uh, poor Brooke, she's been dreaming about getting to Chicago again. They drove up there. They're going to stop in Chicago with Amber and, and Matt, and they were going to go down to the Chris Kendall market, uh, German market. And, you know, of course, they were missionaries in Germany for a while, and they're going to go to the German market and get some of the food and see all the nativity do all that uh, the, the night before Brooke woke up sick. So she still went because she's got to go the whole time she's sick. And she's so disappointed that they couldn't even stay out and go see the lights and go do all the things they want to do. You know what? Look, don't expect just anything that happens is a bonus. We have no guarantee that anyone will bear our burden, but we are to nevertheless be willing to bear their burden. This is the heart of Christ. Again, we, we, we really, we don't really do much for Christ. He's done everything for us. Now, this is the heart of the story. Good old George was throughout the story willing to bear the burdens of others even, even to the point the money is stolen and he doesn't blame Uncle Billy. How I many of you know who Uncle Billy is? Come on, y'all. Y'all know this show better than that you're acting like. You're trying to be all pious, like, I don't watch that. All right. It's right. Now, I'm using a story, and, and forgive me, but it's not my fault. God put it on my mind. <laughs> and it's really to sort of fulfill verse 6. It says, let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. You know, the truth is, I believe that verse is teaching what I've already said, that God has given you if you've learned if you've have provision if you have a good job if you have a good salary if you have a place to, if you have resources God says okay if you have all those things communicate it share it with others And it brings us to the promise. The scripture that God put in my heart that ties it all together, it's a wonderful, positive promise. Now, most of the time we look at it as a negative, but it's a really a positive promise as well as a warning. Verse 7, look at verse 7, it says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall... Uh, of the flesh reap corruption but listen but he that soweth to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting George Bailey sowed kindness generosity sacrifice and what he sowed for a lifetime now watch this now if you really watch this, it's it's hard for me to watch honestly because you know too much of it. I see too much reality. Any man here, you've ever been in a crisis situation where where you probably didn't act in your home quite like you should have? Thank you. I got one honest man here. <laughs> I think actually his wife just put his hand up. <laughs> no. Listen, folks, I mean, I look at him and I think, wow, he's probably acting way too much like me. Under that stress and under that pressure, and under. And, And here's what happens. It's even, you see it at one point, and of course, he's not, it appears not to be a very religious man, but he tries to pray, and he gets. Smacked in the face as a result, and he feels it. this is what happens a lot. We've gone a long time, and we don't see that it's done us any good. You know, we we've helped people a lot, and seems like they've not really returned. There's been no return of investment, so to speak. I can't have. Yeah, I keep looking at Kim back there. I can't, You know, I I look at this story, and I think all those ladies, and hopefully they enjoyed those few little cookies and things the ladies brought over, but those homeless ladies and and addicted, and, and men and women. And how much time and energy you invest. And how many nights you wonder, what good am I doing? He goes a lifetime, a lifetime investing and helping people. And he comes to a point in a crisis where he feels like it was all a waste. But See, here's the lesson that's in here. I wish they would have taught it as a scriptural lesson, but it really is. You see, you can't get away from the truth that whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. And he sowed kindness and generosity and sacrifice for a lifetime. But what he sowed for a lifetime, he reaped in the time of need. And so God brings us to the conclusion. Verse 9, let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Listen to me, I'm begging you, I'm begging you, please don't give up. Don't give up investing in people. Don't give up trying to help people. Don't give up uh, looking, uh, you know, Amy has to uh, you know, deal so much. You know, as is is the people come in uh, week after week through our little food bank and and sometimes, I'll be honest with you, is, you know, somebody called me this morning and I, and I said, well, we can help you. We have service at 11. And they said, you mean to get food? I got to come sit through your service. And I said, no, you really don't. But you need to be here shortly after 12. <laughs> and sometimes folks are not real nice as we're as she's trying to give them food. Now, grant praise the Lord, most of them are really kind. Most of them are very appreciative. But you know I just want us as a church this don't give up. Understand the world we live in today Being a Christian is is not what it used to be. Probably to even 25, 30, 40 years ago, you you at work to be a Christian was something to be. I went to work at, at, at as a Bible college student, and when they, they they the foul language was rampant in that warehouse, and 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 as the time went on, there and they, and they realized they started calling me the preacher and because I you know I was a Bible college student, and I was a I, I was a, a, a preacher student, and 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 they started calling me a preacher, but you know within about. About a a year later, you could be in that warehouse the entire time. I can't say what happened when I wasn't there, but the entire 8 or 10 or 12 hours sometime I'd be there, I'd never hear a cuss word. And if if somebody slipped, I had so many times, some guy would do something and slip, and he'd look and see if I was up there where I would always be up high, and he would say to to me, Hey, hey." they called me Bubba because I was from the South. They say, hey, Hey, Bubba, I'm sorry, Bubba, I'm sorry. You know, there was some respect there. There was a decency there. There was an integrity there. Even though they didn't believe what I believed, even that though, 13 of them in the four years I worked, I got to lead 13 of them to Christ. They were at least open to the gospel. I understand you go in as a Christian in your job today and you're ridiculed. You may be mocked. But I'm asking you, don't give up in well-doing. Don't weary in well-doing. Don't weary in taking the gospel to people. Don't weary in trying to help people. Don't weary in reaching in your pocket and pulling out your last dollar for somebody. Don't weary in bearing somebody else's burden. Because God said, I'm looking through. Robinson's down here. I was a police officer. But when I was, it was a whole different respect level. And you put your lives on the line, the both of you, for us, every time you put that uniform on. And I know day after day, you have to feel like Nobody appreciates us. Well, I'm going to tell you, there's somebody that does. There's somebody that does. And I'm going to tell you, don't give up. Don't become weary in well-doing. Keep helping people. Keep coming to churches like ours and teaching us how to protect ourselves. Keep caring. Keep loving those people that don't even know how to love themselves. Verse 10 says, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men. Especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Now listen, we need to be good to everybody, all men. But folks, we ought to be especially good to each other. There are people in this room, they're not going to even have a Christmas like they wish they could for their children. That I don't mean having 10 gifts. I mean some of them are worried about having a gift. Some of these kids that stood up here and sang, some of them, the only gift they're going to get is what we give them before they get on the bus. We got to love each other. So it's a wonderful life. George Bailey struggled like most of us do, but he always set aside his own desires to bear the burdens of others. He was a normal man and dealt with the stresses of life, and truly it does not show that people help bear his burdens. He was left to bear his own burdens while bearing the burdens of others. He struggled in life as we all do. He got discouraged at times through disappointments of life. He kept bearing others' burdens. Finally, he's the one in great need and the promise of God comes into play. All those for whom he had been bearing their burden now came back to bear his. I'm going to give you two little illustrations and I'm done and they really won't take long, they're very short, but most of you know that my our story, where we stepped out in. In faith and no income and no salary. Stepped away after 31 years at a Bible college and went into evangelism into our faith and family ministry. And three months later, I was dying in a hospital in there for 27 days. Had to cancel all meetings for six months and had no income. But six months... Eight months later, over $200,000 in doctor bills were paid. Our house note, our utilities, our everything, not one thing was ever paid a day late. I've always given most of the credit to my wife because she spent a lifetime trying to do for others. She had spent a lifetime allowing me to bring in a bunch of old, ugly boys every weekend that would stay in our home, and she'd make breakfast and make lunch and fix for them and then clean and spend all day Monday washing and cleaning linens and things. And I believed with all my heart all those years of Giving. God said, okay, now's your time. And people from everywhere bore our burden. One last illustration. Those of you who've been here while well, you know, I think maybe the first person to join the church when I came here was my dad, and he got to live with us for a year and a half before he we went to heaven. A farmer and a drywall hanger. Never had retirement. Never had anything. But John, my brother's here. He'll tell you we grew up and we, we hauled hay, hay for people we didn't even know. We put up fences just because we'd see somebody on the side of the road struggling to put up a fence, and he, my dad, would unload the boys, and we'd, we'd we'd put up a fence, or we'd haul hay, or, or hang drywall, and, and so many times as a kid, as we'd walk away, people would we'd beg my dad to take money, and he'd look at him, and he'd say, I didn't come for your money. I came because you needed help. And I always told you, Beth, I said, I just believe God's going to take care of my daddy." And a little 10-acre plot of land. God allowed him in his 70s to sell his home in a little 10-acre plot of land. They were going to tear down the home. And he sold it for over $400,000. And my dad got to live the rest of his days without worry. He's able to do for us, for anybody. And I believe all my heart because he spent his life, his whole life, giving to others. Bearing somebody else's burden. Jesus came to bear all our burdens. Now we have the chance to bear the burdens of his children. Of his the world that he came to save. So the challenge is twofold. One, as a Christian, don't be weary in well doing. Let's love each other. Let's care about each other. Let's help each other. Let's watch the eyes of each other, who has a need. Number two, the greatest burden that anybody ever carries is the burden about eternity. When I was 20 years old, I was tormented night after night after a couple of my friends died. I suddenly realized that a 20-year-old could die And I was tormented trying to sleep night after night because I had no idea what was going to happen to me when I died. And I'll be honest with you, that became an incredibly heavy burden. More than a burden, it became a torment. But Jesus said this, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. And you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. November the 8th, 1975, with a little Gideon's Bible, I knelt down beside my bed. And I went through just four or five verses. Told me I was a sinner and the payment for sin is eternal death and hell. Told me that but God committed his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And they told me that if I would believe this in my heart, that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I knelt down beside my bed and I said, Jesus, I don't understand it all, but I know I'm a sinner. And I know I need to be saved. Lower in the 8th, 1975 on that dorm room at Memphis State, I trusted Jesus as my Savior, and I didn't become some kind of perfect person. But since that night, the burden has been off my shoulders. His burden is light. It's easy. And that's what he offers to you. Father, I ask you to please bless here this morning. Dear God, I pray that we...